This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. Subliminal against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how did the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. The people have, have so much to gain and have such a material motive for putting me in a position I'm in. We'll never let the true facts come of their and I want you to be able to give me the ability to whisper into the hearts of mankind. And uh, who was the grotto leader? Don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Now these people are in very high position, Jack. Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode 140. I am your co-host, Dimitri. I'm Khalid. And today, <laughs> we uh, we have with us our first guest of 2023 to discuss a topic that I think like rests at the foundation of many, many things that we've discussed um, mm-hmm. around areas like the occult, mind control, elite deviance, quote unquote mysticism, etc. But... Um, I think today we're, we're just going to start jumping right into it because we got with us a real grotto head, a real SJ head, uh, somebody who I think has been a listener for a while. And uh, he's brought some very good uh, writing and information and insight to the table. So we have with us musician, producer, is that right? Christ Koopa. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's such an honor to be here. Yeah, it's an honor to have you. to have you. Yeah. And Thank you me. told us your your sort of your given name is John. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We can go, okay. go with that. I could call mm-hmm. you John, aka Christ Koopa. What's the significance um, of Christ Koopa? I'm sorry if I missed it, but like, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh is it just like Iggy Koopa, but like what if it was Christ? Like I don't you know, I don't I I don't King even know what that is. I know it's one it's, of the Bowser's kids in Super oh, Mario. Oh no, Brothers. oh yeah. Well, I mean all the Bowser Bowser is King Cooper, right? Right, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I, I got that name in like when I was a teenager, we used to write graffiti and stuff, and I just heard it and I was like, That's that's the one, you know, and um been using it since. But honestly, there's so much more depth to it since then. I mean, especially like the uh I mean, it's it's like the Mario games are so like capitalistic, right? You have like this mm-hmm. world of shells, you know, the Bowser is like a shell, you know, shell creature, right? So You're it's like collecting mm-hmm. coins endlessly. Yeah, it's the ultimate shell game. These, yeah. And like that's yeah. like in the Kabbalah, it's like the world of shells is like so, you know, the Messiah like falls into the world of shells. And so mm-hmm. there's all this crazy like, you know, Christ and the Koopa. And it's also just the polarity of like, you know, Yes, dra- it's you know, true. What do you think about it? There are a lot know, of weird things about know. Super Mario Brothers. Like the Mario, fact that he's constantly uh, right. taking ar- mushrooms. Like, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, we're, right. we're yeah. already going to have to have you back for round <laughs> two just to talk about Sus Mario Brothers. I, I think. guess so. Uh, yeah, no, I would love to. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just, I mean, if you, this is like another topic, but you know, if you look at like the Kabbalah and stuff, it really is about 
you know, this, the lost princess, like there's all these tales about the lost princess, mm. the Shekinah, yeah, which is true. like this, the feminine aspect of God that was taken into the Klippot, which is the world of shells. So you have these, sh- and there, and guess, you know, serpents, dragons, you know, so, uh, all these Kabbalistic books are, you know, it's like in the Bible when it says Tohu and Bohu, that's like, you know, this chaotic realm. And so, so I, I really do think the, I don't know who made the Mario games, but I would love to do some research on that and see what they were on about. Cause it is very like specifically, you know, Kabbalistic, like the idea of like redeeming the lost princess that's fallen into the, uh, yeah, what the, what's the, up with Shigeru Miyamoto? That's who created yeah. all the Nintendo <laughs> characters, right? Like he's the I hope I bet there's something right up. Again. Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering. Anyway, uh we're not uh, yeah, talking about that. One of my friends was talking about that and like the word Nintendo means something about like something about the heavens or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> we can get into that later. All right, but, yeah, yeah, word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh excited for that, but maybe before we even get into the 20th century susness of uh Super Mario Brothers yeah. <laughs> and Nintendo, we got to trace this uh this mind control, you know, dragon, this serpent uh back to some earlier origins, which is what we are going to talk about uh today. And this was I think sparked by a couple of blog posts, I think there are three of them, uh, that you wrote on uh, swimpool.blog, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, which I was fascinated by immediately that have to do with a uh, prominent, uh, some would say notorious individual from, what was it, 18th century Germany named uh, Franz Anton Mesmer, right? Yeah, And like he's, you know, he's popped up before in passing when we've talked about maybe in our episodes about like Ouija or like spirit photography or like the Fox right. sisters, like 19th century, the 19th century spiritualism. The spiritualism, yeah. It, mesmerism was kind of the precursor to the spiritualism. Exactly. And, and that was what I think I didn't quite appreciate because I always knew, obviously, just because it's in our vocabulary now, the word mesmerize, yeah. right? Yeah. Mesmerize. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was mesmerized. We say it's, be- it's become like a totally secularized kind of term, but yeah. it definitely has a meaning that everybody, like everybody understands that that is a sort of like a phenomenon, you know, being mesmerized by somebody. But what they might not know is like the actual theories of Mesmer himself and his claims that he was able to, quote-unquote, uh, mesmerize, or I guess, wouldn't he call it magnetizing people? Yeah. He, yeah, he would have. It was, you know, obviously named after him when he died and stuff. But yeah, magnetism, mm-hmm. he would have he said he was a magnetizer. Right, we yeah. talked about this before, like the idea of hypnosis as being like a psychological phenomenon, like or a neuropsychological phenomenon or anything like that yeah. is like relatively, like the idea of animal magnetism, like people still, this is a great example of what you're talking about, because you also use that term meaning like, a figurative magnetism, but originally when that term was coined, it wasn't figurative. It was like actually there might be some force of magnetism that can operate yeah, upon yeah. like a, like you know animal tissue or living beings in that way. Um, yeah, right. so this is a more and literal the, scientific theory. Yeah, right. yeah. To Mesmer, there was no metaphysics. It was just physics that hadn't been discovered. You know, he wasn't as much as it developed into all this kind of spooky, you know, spiritualist stuff he wasn't really talking about any of that. You know, he saw himself as a scientist. He figured this was a groundbreaking discovery. 
that would uh, change medicine. And um, and I mean, at, I mean, this is someone who was like, you know, in the in the 18th, like died in like the very, very early 19th century. But like for the spiritualists mm-hmm. as well, like they also saw what they were doing as scientific. Like I think that people who are like interested in like from the outside people like observe them. They're like, oh, they're into this like supernatural stuff. But people who are actually uh, exploring that field, like they don't see the domain that way. I mean, again, something we've, we've talked about many times, uh, like this sort of supernatural, natural dichotomy as being like uh, a vain distinction or something that's kind of implied from without, um, but from within, like if, you know, what is being designated supernatural is in fact extant, then of course it, ha- it is part of nature in some way. And I think that's sure. true for spiritualists as well. And like, yeah, today we would consider animal magnetism like, woo woo but at the time of course yeah. you know that's not what he well i was just gonna say like he did in fact mesmer kind of, he he like went to war with the debunkers at mm-hmm. back, you know back then because it was even though it was presented as like a secular scientific thing and he was part of this milieu of people that were really about reason and um i mean he was a member we'll get into this later but he was a member of the bavarian illuminati right mm-hmm. and um and I'm, I'm really glad you said that colleague because like uh the 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 distinction between these different things was not what it is to people today. Like the distinction between spiritual and scientific. And so um, he did get uh, debunked, so to speak. And that's why his theories were not accepted into the mainstream academic world. And the people who debunked him, actually, it was a committee set up by the Royal, uh, the Royal Society of Medicine that was actually led by Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's interesting. This is funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, we just did an episode that's not out yet, but it'll probably come out, uh, well, maybe by the time people hear this. But we were talking about uh, the, the Jersey Devil and how there was an almanac feud in the early <laughs> 1700s, like in sort of the Philadelphia area between young right. Ben Franklin and this guy Titan Leeds, who was using like astrology predi- uh, predictions in his almanac. And Ben Franklin started like trolling him and doing like an irony bro thing where he predicted in his almanac that uh, Titan Leeds was going to die on like X date because like the stars said so. <laughs> and they got into like a huge feud over it. So was well, this I, all like I, a Illuminati Freemasonic like feud, like cover up right. situation? <laughs> like, I don't know. It makes Probably. me wonder, Ben Franklin, a lifelong, you know, Reddit guy, a uh, lifelong <laughs> debunker. He was, he was all over debunking. It was one of his biggest passions, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. The King of France agreed, you know, I mean, yeah. damn. Yeah, and that, it's such a interesting because then, like, I mean, you had people like George Washington speaking highly of Mesmer, and um, mm-hmm. you know, even though these guys that, were, yeah. they were all involved in these, you know, secret these Masonic orders, and you know, this is during the period of the French Revolution when the Illuminati came out, and you know, there was all this conflict between, like, you know, because in Freemasonry, it's like you have to believe in God, and you know, there the, kind of these more secular strains started to develop. Even though the original Illuminati, it actually was very, um, it still used religious language and Christian language and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, you know, all about, you know, reason and getting rid of, you know, kind of tradition and nationalism and stuff. And um, a lot of things that have become, you know, accepted by now. Yeah. Yeah. So that that committee was headed by Benjamin Franklin and also uh, Guillotine, the guy that the guillotine was named after. Who also, you know, that was used a lot in the French Revolution. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they pretty much debunked him. And then he, you know, I guess the people that still 
uh, we're still fucking with them. We're the uh, the Illuminati guys, and like so, it's just yeah, this kind of underground current of people doing these experiments with animal magnetism. Yeah, and the thing is, he did. I mean, this is even his critics. It is historically recorded that he did heal people. Like it's yeah. not. I think Franklin admits it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because yeah, it's like sort of a, a psychosomatic phenomenon. Is basically how uh, people have have described it, right? That it was right. you know, uh, mesmerism doesn't work unlike unlike magnetism. Of course, there's no real consciousness. Well, anyway, whatever you can get into it later. But the uh, like when you're you know magnets. If you have a magnet on your shirt, like unbeknownst to you, and someone pulls out a magnet, like the magnet will still be drawn to it. It was like a giant magnet or something. I don't know. But with animal magnetism. The issue they observed was that if people didn't know about it, uh, didn't know that they were being subjected to animal magnetism, then it couldn't operate upon them. Of course, like, you know, that doesn't mean that the power of suggestion isn't something that, like, can operate, like, uh, contrary to people's wills uh, and that, like, there isn't something that could develop out of this that would be you know, uh, that would complicate the whole situation of, like, knowledge. But I think that even, like, the psychological theory of the time was probably not as, like, deeply articulated. Like, the whole idea of the unconscious probably wasn't, yeah. you know, even a thing that people really... Well, that's where the idea of the unconscious actually comes from. from yeah. uh, not from Mesmer himself, but from his students, uh, because, you know, they would... Th- uh, this is also where the term somnambulism comes from, which basically means sleepwalking. and um, Or, I mean, the state in which people sleepwalk. The state in which people can respond to questions and talk, but they don't remember it. So that's when people are like, wait, this is the same person, but it's not the same mind or the same part of the mind because mm-hmm. they don't remember what they said when they were in the trance state. But the tra- what they said in the trance state was factually accurate about themselves, even though they don't remember saying it. And according to them, it was even factually accurate about other people's lives. And they would do things like put someone in a trance and ask them questions about you know, they would even like write stuff on pieces of paper and have another person read it and then ask them what it said. And they could like somehow retrieve that information, according to them, from that person's mind. And one last thing about the the debunking is that the the mesmerist ideas like the debunkers would be like, so there's no there's nothing to mesmerism other than it's just the charisma of the so-called magnetizer and the receptiveness of the patient or of the subject. Mm-hmm. And so it's about just like, I mean, we even use the term, like he had a magnetic personality yeah, and stuff yeah. like that to this day. And like, so they were the just kids like, that's say they is. have the Riz now, don't they on TikTok? <laughs> you know, it's all about the Riz right now. And yeah. Then, Mojo. Is yeah, that derived I mean, from a, mesmerism? No, it's derived from charisma. Oh, charisma. Oh, I, see, I, I didn't see. even know that. Yeah. That was my charisma old man, is an Yeah, uh, right. Learned yeah. The I thought it was mesmerism that you were getting at. I see. But yeah, I see. Because no, charisma that really shares the, me. Yeah. No. That would be, yeah. I, but like charisma even comes from the word, the same root word as crystals, which is chrism, which. Yeah, charism, which know, is like a power miracle, right? Right. Yeah. So we could get into, you know, maybe later when we talk about Randolph and stuff, we could talk about the the chrism and what that means in in the occult, you know, but it's very, you know, it's yeah, charisma. So the the debunkers were like, that's all that's all it is. It's just these guys just they're very charismatic. And, they you know, of course, like a lot of the patients were almost always women and the magnetizers were almost always men. So they were like, Mm -hmm. they're just playing off this this sexual polarity that already exists. And, you know, these are women who are willing to you know surrender like they're they're you know 
hypnotized, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the mesmerists were like, yeah, man, we never said that wasn't what it was. <laughs> it is about it is about that. It is this is the same dynamic as, you know, some people can command attention in a room, some people can't, some people, you know, and although they did get into some more like woo-woo type stuff about like Mesmer did believe there's this invisible fluid or so to speak fluid or sometimes it's like an invisible fire. Kind of like the smokeless fire. I don't know. <laughs> yes, uh, that went through my head a few times when I was reading all yeah. this, this uh, invisible fire that is floating all around mm-hmm. us. And like yeah. there are beings that exist like, I don't know, and that they, are either made of it and that, or... Right. And that's how they contact these these spirits, right? That's what... Um, you know, Mesmer didn't talk about spirits, but he did talk about planets. And even though he didn't talk about astrology, it kind of, you can see how it would be used to validate astrology or whatever. But he said that that was the first proposition in his manifesto was that every body, both living body and even planetary bodies, it has a magnetic field and a magnetic aura to it. And um, the the way that a person would be affected Obviously, there has to be a medium. Like if two people are in a room and one person's vibe is affecting the other person, there has to be a medium for mm-hmm. it to flow through, right? It, it's not. So basically, they're saying there is no vacuum anywhere in the universe. This uh, force is present everywhere. And that is the, you know, the smokeless fire, the invisible fluid or whatever that these things can uh, interact with each other. And later on, the spiritualists, they definitely did. You know, it was actually uh, Pas- Pascali, who was a big Martinist occultist, like in the maybe I don't know a little bit after Mesmer's time mm-hmm. said that Mesmerism was dangerous because you're dealing with the force like the smokeless fire that the jinn would inhabit and he's saying even though people might be trying to heal an illness or whatever they are dealing with these forces and you know there's a risk of like possession and stuff like that mm. so. yeah it's really fascinating it's really fascinating because I like right off the bat it does sound like the kind of thing that would like validate a system like astrology, you know, even though um, it's kind of surprising he didn't get into it because you shared the photos of his gravestone and it's got like yeah. his n- like natal birth chart like etched onto the right. side of it. And it seems to be very, uh, along with like the Illuminati, like eye inside of the triangle, like the illuminated, you know, like pyramid with the eye. Yeah. So, I mean, th- well, that- he was an astronomer, maybe not an astrologer, but he was an astronomer as well as a. Uh, you know, a physician, which is why he connected those dots and said that, you know, it's yeah. magnetism. And, and this isn't, just to be clear, like this isn't the same thing as like ether theory, but it's kind of similular to it, right? It's similar for sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think- they, they would say that ether, they would say that this invisible fluid or smokeless fire was uh, even more subtle than ether. You know, it's yes. like you have like solid matter, then you have air, which is actually a substance, even though it's so it's so subtle that we can move through it. And, you know, you can move through water, but it's a little more dense than air and then ether and then fire. And they would say this invisible fluid was even more subtle, you know, and that's basically what, you know, that's why all these orders that work with this stuff are so, you know, basically you have to meditate a lot because you have to quiet your mind to even perceive, you know, these things. And basically you, that's why, you know, you're supposed to not do radical stuff, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like you're supposed to calm yourself in a way that where you can perceive these very subtle, you know, waves or, or ripples in the in this in this fluid that you wouldn't notice normally. Mm-hmm. But it is mm-hmm. there, apparently. Mm-hmm. Though there were others uh, you you dug up 
in your blog post that thought that maybe the sex, drugs, and rock and roll part <laughs> could be a, a positive aid to uh, connecting with this, you know, uh, more subtle than ether kind of plane of matter, right? Um, I think we'll get into some of those personalities, but that yeah, kind no, of pipelines true. back into uh, groups that we've like mentioned a lot in passing, like theosophy and like the hermetic order of the golden dawn um but you dug up some way more like obscure groups that are really fascinating that um that kind of like combined uh, some of this <clears throat> mesmerism stuff uh with sex magic and tied right. it into like older occult traditions and everything we'll get into that later but it's really really bizarre and like fascinating stuff that uh yeah you don't do hear about that often because like right. I, also i think the the argument that uh you start to make in your series of blog posts is that mesmerism is sort of the like the foundational muck out of which like modern theories of mind control and yeah. even stuff like mk Right. Freudian psychology and all these things like everything we would deal with in the 20th century that got uh more than a little bit sus at certain times yeah um you can kind of trace like the lineage of it back to mesmer is that right absolutely yeah, yeah. I mean even the concept of uh multiple personalities goes back to uh I think Poiseuille who was one of mesmer's main um it kind of in the generation after him one of the main people that was practicing mesmerism. But yeah, the idea of going back to that, well, even the word subliminal, like mm -hmm. um, I think the coining of that term, if I remember correctly, I don't, I wish I could actually be more specific, but um, the when around the time they came up with the idea of multiple personality, for the same reason, like I said earlier, these people are in these somn somnambulist trances and um, they're saying things, but then they don't remember them. So that shows, you know, the con that's where they came up with the differentiation between the conscious and unconscious. But then I guess, you know, there were situations where they thought, well, there's just simply like different personalities. And I mean, obviously, that's still a condition that people talk about to this right. day. But yeah, yeah, I think that I mean, subliminal these... is like below the surface, you know, or below the line. Right. right. Yeah. Which that's why yeah. we translate it in our Arabic translation of some jihad we use bath and which is, of course, mm -hmm. like a very old term okay. right like uh for like interior hidden uh -huh. but i think that this uh concept like you know this is kind of like an intellectual like a, a sort of scientization or like a way to try to systematize ideas like you know what you're just talking about with the kabbalah you know like uh again like my least favorite word but something that's used to refer to basically this uh undifferentiated like uh mass of ideas around this topic of the like internal life of the of the human being right and yeah. the internal relationship with different modes of reality or experience right so mysticism like, right the idea yeah and that's basically what spiritualists quotes. and stuff would be trying to do you know they would be trying to induce that trance state so that they could communicate with the dead or communicate with other intelligences right like yeah, yeah. in that mm -hmm. uh, passage from uh yeah, yeah that the, you were just you're just referring to yeah. so yeah but i think that that idea is old but the sort of systematization of it 
Um, it's definitely an interesting like inflection point, like historically. And I think that the the sort of uh, tension between people like Benjamin Franklin and people like Mesmer, because the Illuminati, you know, they were also like very much like debunkers of a certain stripe. Like they were very much yeah, against like obscuritanism absolutely. and religion, things like that. You know, that's yeah. why and they were Illuminati and, and right? astrology and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they were against a lot of the occult currents, like the Rosicrucians back then. They were they were debunking them. You know, yeah, they were like, oh, all that shit is, you know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, there really ain't nothing new in the song because you can see that same type of yeah. phenomenon happening, like you know, repeating itself absolutely. in our like current sort of scientific community or, or intelligentsia, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing that jumps out at me, uh, speaking of Ain't Nothing New, is like I was thinking about how a lot of times if I'm trying to approach this top, these types of topics with like a more normie type of person, oftentimes uh, a thing I would point out, probably others do too, is that, well, you know, like places like Stanford Research Institute were studying the occult in like scientific ways in the 70s and doing like experiments with Yuri Geller and all this remote viewing shit and trying to like mm-hmm. verify scientific, you know, psi phenomena and all these things, which I think might come to a surprise as, as a surprise to like some people like what? Like serious scientists at Stanford were yeah. like do, doing psychic experiments. And even like I think the er- one of the early episodes we did about the Soviet interest in parapsychology and how they were trying to apply like a Marxist materialist like scientific framework to like verifying these strange abilities. And, you know, I think, like, on the one hand, that's like, oh, wow, like, you know, at some point, all this stuff went from just total wacky woo-woo nonsense uh, into almost, like, being taken seriously. And then we're not sure what happened. Like, I guess it didn't, it either didn't work or something, or it, it did work and they kept it secret. But uh, but then if you look back yeah. at, like, the longer history, a lot of this stuff started with a, like, serious scientific, or at least an attempt at a serious scientific framework, like, for this phenomena, mm-hmm. basically. And then it, like, moved into the realm of spiritualism after Mesmer and into the world of the occult. And then, I guess, the 20th century, it kind of boomeranged back. But, me, I mean if you go back to like the Nazis, like they were studying the occult, like it's not necessarily, you know, maybe there was a brief period where it kind of fell off in the early 20th century, but then there's always, so yeah, basically there ain't nothing. Yeah. I definitely don't think there was ever a time when it fell off in human history. Yeah. yeah, Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe less publicized, but like people have always been kind of interested in this shit. The language of it changes. Maybe a certain currents in it become emphasized over others uh, or maybe like make themselves like more apparent within like the uh, exoteric like discourse of culture. But the occult itself is always there because it's yeah. Yeah, the sort of hidden dimension of human life. Like is there's no exteriority without yeah. the interiority. So I guess right. even with Freud, which is kind of like a secularized, a more secularized version, there still are, you know, some aspects that like share a lot in common with these right. more uh, mysterious kind of frameworks uh, yeah. for like, yeah, how interior life functions uh, of course, yeah. Right. It's, I mean, it's like yeah, Carl Schmitt, uh, speaking of Nazis, said about political concepts that they're all secularized theolo- theological concepts. Like, secularity is mm. a language or a semiotics, right? But the 
concepts, the ideas, like the problems that Freud is dealing with. Like, you know, we talked about the, the essay, The Uncanny, all the time, right? And I think that a lot of people do, you know, it's a very influential piece. But I mean, you can see how this is dealing with a lot of the same issues, right? But in a different language. And definitely that uh, uh, the interiority of the human being, that's basically the whole space of psychoanalysis, you know. But sorry, what were you going to say? Right. Mean, right. I was just going to say, I read this book about uh, Freud and mysticism by David Balkan, you know, kind of I don't think there's any proof that he was like involved in the Kabbalah or anything, but multiple scholars have suggested that just because, you know, his ideas p- parallel so many of those those concepts. But um, and now, like, but, it almost is like I don't think that. I mean, I think that's uh, psychoanalysis or psychology has like developed significantly since Freud, but in a way like there or and Jung is really really into mysticism, like in a huge way. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. But and even though like not everyone cleaves in an orth- like you know in a super orthodox way to those ideas, who practices psychoanalysis or who is into psychology or anything like that, the the, the they're like kind of a almost have an allegorical importance, or they are like you know truer than true, and they have right. that kind of they prevail over like the discourse in in a way. Yeah, but I think I think that's often true, like in many domains. Like I was, someone just sent me. A video uh, the other day of like that guy who's always on Discovery Channel, like Cow uh, Cow, am I saying? He's like a physicist. He's, you know, kind of like a one of the big like pop physicist guys. But anyway, he was saying that, um, you know, it's amazing how much, uh, yeah, Kaku, I guess, uh, Michio Kaku was talking. It's amazing how much of our ideas like string theory and things like that. It was Mike who was telling me this, who okay. was on our Copenhagen Deception episode. And he was ranting oh, yeah. about how string theory is also like bullshit. But he was saying like, it's amazing. This theory parallels so much what you see in the Zohar and in, in the Kabbalah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. is that remarkable? Or is that because like, you know, you're thinking one is like sort of, like falling into conformity with the other when really like perhaps the model is being derived from these earlier ideas right i think i've seen that clip there's a few uh physicists that it it was kind of shocking how many specifically mentioned the zohar you know yeah uh, (laughs) uh yeah i mean when you look at a physicist like say like we another thing we just mentioned in our last episode that uh that isn't out yet is like the fundamental physics group in Berkeley and people like Jack Sarfati and uh, I'm blanking on the other physicist name. Was it Herbert? I don't know. They were involved in a lot of weird like discordian shit. But like when you look at somebody like Jack Sarfati, who is like all about how UFOs are like uh, interdimensional time travelers in the future (laughs) and he got a God phone call. Like he, he's very mystical, like in a lot of ways, like as a physicist. And then you look at like, I think in our Copenhagen episode, um, we kind of got into it. Like the, it almost feels like a religious kind of theology, like something also like string theory. What is string theory? If not an attempt to, uh, to define something like subtler than what we can perceive, like this kind of invisible field of, uh, of invisible fire that Mesbro was talking about. Like they're kind of grasping at the same mystery still. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. Sure. And, uh, I mean, and, it's I the mean, nature. Yeah. They're trying to figure out the nature of reality. And you exactly, could say, like, yeah. oh, it's like mathematics proves it. But, like, also all these, like, weird occultists and Kabbalists are also using numbers and numerology mm-hmm. and, like, obscure, you know, mathematical systems to, like, justify various things as well. So, not saying it's exactly yeah. the same, but 
you know, I, I've, I've heard from many people that like some of that uh, quantum physics stuff is like so abstract that it's metaphysics. It, it's yeah, yeah it's yeah, very much yeah, meta, it's, right. based, it's much of it is interpretive and metaphysical and based on the sort of conformity of things to a certain model. Which is definitely the case for like, yeah, you know, this is again, this whole distinction of like, oh, this is religious, this is scientific. Like, really, they're both engaged. Yes, I think you're rightly saying they're engaged in this project of ontology, right? They're trying to figure out how things are, right? And uh, theology is like a a small subcategory of that, which deals with the nature of the deity, but I never use the word theology yeah. when I'm talking about like uh, even though uh, ilm al-kalam or like uh, you know the the knowledge of discourse the discourse right is often called theology and insert in, in, you know there are there's a valid analogy be made there you know I won't like uh, nitpick over it but like really it's a distraction from like what a lot of these thinkers are engaging which is the project of ontology and that's where you sort of see these overlaps like, yeah. happening. No, you're right. Yeah. It, it is ontology. You pull the Scooby Doo mask off, and it's always ontology. You yeah, know, or epist- it, yeah, ontology and epistemology, which are like indistinguishable, but yeah, um, or often <laughs> indistinguishable. Yes, yes. <laughs> Some steps, carry heavy weight at the minimum reps. Taking pictures in your mansion, that's a miniature set. Biggest regret that we never hit and reset. From a city where a giant couldn't get on a jet. Who could get this far without investors and do real magic like a black Nick Tesla? Equip the pressure, make diamonds out of pressure. 35 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. Paper in your hands, only paper in demand. Get a paper in Australia, get a paper in Japan. Worship Uncle Sam, never save you in the jam. You'll be slaving with your fam, send your ass to be a man. So, I mean, do we want to kind of start with like the man himself and what he was all about and what he did just give like a little bit of an overview and maybe also like if you could tell us, John, about his like connections to the Bavarian Illuminati and how extensive they were and stuff like that. Yeah. Could you speak on that? Yeah. So um, this whole Mesmer thing caused me to go back and... You know, I, I obviously like when I started looking at all this stuff as a teenager, the Illuminati is something, you know, that you're going to come across. So I, I did a bunch of research on the French Revolution and all that and um, back in the day. And like I kind of had a full circle moment with the Mesmer stuff um, because I went back. And fortunately, a lot of stuff has been translated and even is being translated right now. There's a lot of great scholarship going on um, into English because there was really hardly any source documents about the Illuminati. It was in English. It was just, uh, you know, this book by Abby Brule and then the John Robison, you know, basically the OG conspiracy books. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, the thing is, like, I, you know, after, like I said, kind of going full circle with that, I used to think the Illuminati was overrated and stuff like, but honestly, yeah, I'm going back to it. And I think it is, you see these, these theories, the reason that these theories exist is because of shit that happened, you know, and because of shit that was exposed, like, and it's actually shocking how much in the documents I'm like, oh, damn, that actually is true. So I'll, there's a book called The Secret School of Wisdom that came out a few years ago by Joseph Wages. I would recommend it to anyone interested in that, where it's just a verbatim translation of all the Illuminati documents. It's important, I think, I think I, to I clarify that, like what the Illuminati like refers to, because I think that sometimes when right. people hear the term Illuminati, it's kind of become a... Uh, right like meme yeah it's, yeah it has become a meme and it's also like uh, been used in like an extended sense in a lot of ways where it means like i don't know the secret people who control everything like that's the illuminati yes. like and also i don't know jay-z and beyonce Jay-Z's in like, it. Yeah, yeah exactly they're, right they're sitting yeah in their acolyte robes right now at davos uh you know right. deciding like what the inflation numbers will be next year yeah, yeah and but whatever hey. you think about jay-z <laughs> and beyonce like the fact is that there was like an organization that existed a secret society that existed at a very particular time in history history that everyone agrees existed like no matter like whether you are into that type of stuff or not like or you're you know a hardcore debunker yeah. like everyone is operating from like a basic uh historic uh, more or less basic historical agreement uh the existence of the secret society at like you know uh, in the 18th century yeah. yeah i guess we should clarify that there is a historical illuminati that lasted for about 10 years and then went underground uh and then may or may not have gone completely dissolved but um it was started actually this is another thing i thought was a conspiracy theory but uh it turns out it is true it was started on may day of 1776 may 1st um, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and um but anyway okay so so this is what i mean like everything you just said about jay-z and beyonce this is actually and i'm almost done with this book it's like this i literally read this last night but this is a verbatim quote from the uh the higher degrees and basically they're telling the initiates like this is what we do this is how we operate this is what we need of you and it's it's very detailed it goes through and let me just read this quote Mm. thus it is sometimes necessary to let the subordinates assume parentheses but without resorting to untruths in parentheses that we secretly direct all other orders and masonic systems or that the most powerful monarchs are ruled by the illuminati which is actually the case here and there. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm shocked that this is real. But like, and then it's like, wherever something grand and wonderful happens, it must be assumed that this was our doing. Wherever a great and peculiar man lives, it should be believed that he is one of us. So this was written in 1770-something by yeah. Adam Weishaupt. And so they succeeded the, beyond I mean their is, wildest dreams. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah uh, like this folklore. Yeah, this yeah. folklore comes from real shit. Like, that's what I'm saying. And I'm trying to shine a light on it where I weed through, you know, the bullshit. And like, because it is very fascinating. And I think it's relevant to a lot of things like, you know, I think just mesmerism. The fact that hypnotism and mesmerism comes from the Illuminati is kind of crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, oh, and then just to finish that quote, from time to time, one should give mystifying commands for no particular reason. For example, letting the subordinate find a missive or a letter of the Illuminati under his plate at an inn in another town when one could have easily handed it to him much more conveniently at his home. Like that seems like something out of a movie. Like you're in a hotel traveling and you lift up your plate and there's a letter 
with the Illuminati stamp on it. And you're like, why? What the fuck? Like, how do they know? I mean, but they were really doing stuff like that. They were trying to paint this picture that they have been guiding the evolution of humanity throughout time and that secret societies do run the world. They would hit and that's how they would recruit people, actually, is they would they would kind of hint that, you know, world events are the aftermath of things, of decisions that are made in secret societies. And, you know, based on people's reaction, they'd be like, hey, I know a guy, you know. That's yeah. really interesting because that usually doesn't get brought up when, in like Illuminati discourse. It's either it's all bullshit, like stupid yeah. conspiracy theorists, blah, 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 Alex Jones, or yeah. it's like they're running the world, you know, and it's like, but what if and it, that immediately makes me think about kind of every other secret society of the last couple hundred years, mm-hmm. especially ones that were populated by elite people and places like Bohemian Grove, you know, other groups like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, that's the Illuminati symbol. How much of their power, even people like Michael Aquino, you know, like right. how much of their power is derived from psyoping their followers, who themselves are often like prominent people in society, into right. thinking they actually run the like? Is, was there a secret society like after nine yeah. eleven happened? Like the adepts came in, they're like, yeah, that was us, but like it wasn't, you know. But like that's kind of it's baked into the kind of a psyop nature of these like secret societies. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just, a, it's an interesting question to ponder that I don't think gets pondered enough. For sure. I think, and I think that still goes on at this. Um, there's a sequel to this book that I haven't got yet, but this author, Alistair Lees, he's a, a Masonic scholar who's like the leader of the SRIA, which is a big Rosicrucian order in England. And he was even, I was watching some interviews with him and he was saying like, even they asked him about the pandemic and how that affects the craft. And he said, well, not really. We have to, uh, you know, social distance, you know, we might be, there might be some masks in the lodge and stuff, but then he goes, but we knew about it because there was a great shift in the heavens and we knew that everything was going to change. And I'm like, okay, like, (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I just found that the other day and like, I'm, it's, you know, whatever, perceive that how you will, but they, they definitely play into that. So I think the truth is, I think not, like you said, like the dichotomy between Alex Jones and, oh, it's all bullshit. Neither, the truth is much more nuanced than that, you know, and mm-hmm. I do encourage when you look at the source material and um, it's, it's pretty interesting. So in relation to Mesmer, now the Illuminati required all of its, they were very much about hoarding information. They wanted to know everything that everyone knew. Mm. And they had these super detailed questionnaires that they would have people go through. Like they would, when they were considering a candidate, they would like, you know, in order to decide whether or not to recruit him, they would, it's like pages and pages of just questions of like, how does he move his hands when he talks? Does he gossip? Does he, you know, all these character things. And, um, personality assessment. Yeah, right. So Mesmer, as an Illuminist, he would have been required. Okay, let me just read a quote. He would have, everything he did would not have happened without the permission and consent of the Illuminati. They had such a tight grip on their members, and he was a full-blown member. I wish there was more research on him in relation to that. It is 100% factual that he was a member, but he never talks about it, you know, and, um, Okay. Most of the books about the Illuminati don't mention him. But I was just cu- from, I was just curious, like which source um, did you find that like established his link to the Bavarian Illuminati? Well, the members list was exposed when they got 
shut down by the Bavarian government. Um, the only other notable name that you might know outside of like specifically Masonic history is a. Uh, I know you guys are big on pronunciation. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I, I'm. I don't know how I'm gonna. But like Gotha, Gotha. Uh, yeah, you know, Gotha. Uh, that's pretty much right. Yeah. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. You got Gotha, it. Go with it. Go with it. Yes. Or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So he so was, he he was an illuminist too, and um, that makes sense. He, he so those are the two like famous people like um, that you might recognize from that membership list. Um, and then there was you know there was definitely some muckety mucks in the you know in the aristocracy and stuff, but. As yeah. far as people that like made mainstream history, I would say Mesmer and, and go. Okay, so. so that's hard facts right there. Mesmer, hard facts, yeah. definitely an alumnist. And this is around, so when did he start getting into this theory of like animal magnetism? Was that before the Illuminati was established in 1776 or after? That is a really good question. So he went to... Ingolstadt University in Bavaria, which is the same university that Adam Weishaupt went to, and um, they base and it was a Jesuit university, yes, and um, that's a whole mess of you know everyone's back then was accusing each other of being Jesuits, um, or they really were Jesuits. I don't know too much about the Jesuits. I feel like uh, that's a whole other angle to this, but it does pop up a lot, and they oh, were yeah, we're gonna you know, get to them one day. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's so how much. I feel. I'm like, I'm gonna get to that one day. It seems yeah, yeah. it's it seems a little more boring than the stuff I've you know. So I'm like, I'll put that that off. But they were definitely you know a factor, and they uh, you know, the Illuminati was largely modeled after them, although they had very, they had different goals. You know, although some of the scholars, you know, the serious scholars, they say that well, Weishaupt never he never renounced Catholicism, and they essentially were Bavarian Catholics. And, you know, they were feuding with these German Lutherans, like the Order of the Golden Rosy Cross, yeah. and um, who was a more reactionary. They wanted to set up a theocracy and stuff. And Weishaupt was about overthrowing, you know, these types of things, you know. And uh, Yeah. And the Jesuits are notoriously kind of, they're almost, I don't mean this necessarily as an insult, but they're almost like the trots of the Catholic Church, like hierarchy, in that they're very... They're, they're all about like learning and free inquiry. That's why they run so many universities. But they're also right. like, they, they have a long standing reputation for being a little bit more like ontologically promiscuous, maybe, than uh, other sects of. Yeah. Uh, definitely more than like Catholic society at large. And that would get them into hot water at various points. I think even. Yeah. They actually they, got shut down. They got shut down time. in the 1770s, right? Right around this time. It was right around the whole. You know, Cagliostro is another famous, uh, he wasn't on that list of members, but he was definitely, you know, involved in some sort of Illuminati activity. And he, uh, there's a movie about him. And, and yeah, he was yes. um, involved by the Jesuits. He was actually, oh, not to get too off track, but just since I'm talking to you guys, Cagliostro was, he was accused of being the Illuminati by the Inquisition and he died in jail, right? Mm. He was initiated on the island of Malta by... Someone, I forget his first name, but his, it was an Aquino. His name was Aquino. Wow. No. Oh, no. Oh, wow. I, I think I found yeah. this Aquino before because it's like the only other historical Aquino that was like a local lord in like Sicily or something like that. And, and, and the Knights of Malta, you know, and which, mm -hmm. so it's like you have this fascist strain, the slash of coal, you know, which I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Michael Aquino, <laughs> you know, a couple hundred years later, was there some, you know, father, son, handed yeah. down type vibes? I don't know. He but, never yeah, really talks about his father, but that. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was definitely a Thomas 
Thomas the first of, of Aquino um, from the 12th century, follower of Holy Roman Emperor and the King of Sicily. Um, Adenolfo d'Aquino. Mm. I still don't know if we're pronouncing it right, but in the yeah. Italian. Wow. Would it be Aquino? No, I don't know. <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, no, the, it's a... Uh, hmm. Okay, interesting. And you know, there's also a flavor of like Illuminati conspiracy theories that probably hypothesized that like the Catholic Church has always been behind it all via the Jesuits. Right. And so this yeah. whole thing is kind of like an op sort of thing. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the fact that they both Even came out. the nice Templar. Yeah, yeah. So the, the Masonic order that the Illuminati was basically a reformation of, Weishaupt started it by himself, but then he brought in this guy, uh, Baron von Kaniga, and he was uh, probably fucked that up too. But uh, he was a member of the Strict Observance Lodge, as was Gotha. And um, that was the strict observance was a Masonic order. They were the first ones to really claim this whole Templar lineage, right? Okay. And that was another thing when I came back to it. I was like, oh, wait. So the Knights Templar and the Illuminati connection, like that kind of came out at the same time because, you know, Masonry was established officially in 1717. And then like maybe 50 years later, all this kind of stuff starts happening. I just lost my train of thought. Shit. Oh, yeah. The strict, the strict observance, right? So... Yeah. Other Masons were accusing um, them of being Jesuits because they're like, you know, the Knights Templar was a Catholic order and they were kind of like saying, you know, we're the modern crusaders type stuff. And uh, they they brought back that kind of crusader Knights Templar stuff into Freemasonry and the strict observance. That was the order that Gotha and I don't think Mesmer, but uh, all these Illuminati were in. And then Weishaupt joined it later after he already started the Illuminati. And then the strict observance got dissolved. But the Illuminati was in many ways an extension of that. And the other order that was an extension of that, the rectified Scottish Rite, which is not the same as the Albert Pike Scottish Rite. But, mm -hmm. And that order still exists, unbroken lineage, and has a lodge in, uh, I believe, D.C. and some in Europe to this day. Oh, wow. D.C. So, uh, yeah, all this kind of Jesuit... It, but then in the higher degrees, it talks about revenge against the Catholic Church because they see Jacques de Molay, the last grandmaster of the Knights Templar who was killed on the stake. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of projected that onto the Masonic legend of Hiram Abiff, who was, you know, the mm -hmm. temple builder who was assassinated by these three assassins. Mm -hmm. And that's what the whole Masonic myth is. You know, they buried his body and the marked it with this sprig of acacia and all, all this, you know, kind of, you know, and there was obviously Masons who projected the Christian story onto that too of death and resurrection. Like that's obvious. Right. And the, yeah. even the Illuminati actually in some of their degrees, they were actually in a lot of ways, very Christian. They said, uh, you know, Hiram Abiff is a code for Jesus. And this is all about the true original Gnostic Christianity. And, um, Interesting. and they, they didn't allow Jews to join initially. No, right? they didn't. No, they didn't. But then eventually they did. There was, I think it was after the conference in Wilhelmsbad that they, um, I don't, yeah, I can't, I can't get to, I don't know the details on that, but they did change that. And there was some times where there was like Frankists, you know, involved in the Illuminati and stuff, but they also were kind of undercover Catholic, or I mean, they would disguise themselves as Catholic. So yeah, it's real messy. Like it's, I'm not making any claims about like who's what of, with the Jesuits and all that. Cause like, I don't know. And it's very confusing, honestly, but, um, something going on. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. That's something to follow up on what the Jesuits were up to, especially if they were sort of thrown out right around the same time. It might have even been yeah. 1775 or 76. When, I think it was, yeah. And like they get thrown out into the wilderness and then like this Illuminati thing started by these like Jesuit students right. pops up and I don't know. I found this uh, amazing description on that note of like a like anti like mesmerism propaganda that was disseminated in Germany. It's in this article by uh, Claire Gantet, uh, the dissemination of mesmerism in Germany, Mm -hmm. 1784 to 1815. Some patterns in the circulation of knowledge. And uh, yeah, she describes sort of article that was in the uh, Berlinich, uh, Berlinich Monastrift. Sorry, my German is terrible. But uh, Johann Erich Biester uh, launched a campaign that was to last until 1788. So he was condemning this guy, uh, Lavater, who was like a, a Swiss, right. uh, like, yeah, he was like a Swiss phys- uh, physician who was like big into the possibilities of, of mesmerism and this group called like the Society of, what were they called? The, the like, it's the Char, but I forget what it stood for. Uh, it was like a Parisian group. A harmonic Society of United Friends or Société Harmonique des Amis Réunis, uh, or the Char. <laughs> and they, yeah, they were uh, interested in uh, mesmerism, although they tried to like restrict themselves to you know, just like medical experiments, right? right? And its successes were promoted in publications while its failures were locked in secret archives. They claimed to be a medical philanthropic organization. Many of its members, beginning with uh, Lutzel Borg himself, were adepts of esotericism. So this article in the, in the Monat uh, Schrift described them in like kind of a caricatured way. So he condemned the lavater and Jesuitism. He warned against the infiltration of the German lands by an irrational magnetism that had already been unmasked in France, Ooh, right? In this no, whole trial that we just talked no. about, the series or yeah. investigation. This series of articles culminated in February 1788 with a piece in the, uh, with the French title, La Société Magnétite en Masquerade, the Magnetic Society Farce. The Berlin Carnival Parade featured personifications of the Shah costumed as madness, followed by Mesmer's magnetizing baquet, his tub, the magnetizing doctor, dressed all like all Parisian physicians with a magnetic wand in his hand, then an abbot, a pilgrim, and a nun representing Catholicism, a typically dressed uh, Strasbourg lady accompanying a member of the Strasbourg City Council, a reference to idle high society women who chose to undergo magnetic somnambulism therapy and sacrifice their virtue to municipal administrators. (laughs) Uh, a Spanish woman personifying the Jesuits and the Inquisition, a procurator taking note of everything with trembling hands, and a limping Jew, perhaps an allusion to Moses Mendelssohn, whom Lavater had maladroitly tried to convert to Christianity. Yeah, Lavater, he was really big into, like, religious aspects of this. I mean, he did do scientific experiments, but he was very much, like, into Christianity. When madness reached the royal lodge, his madman's wand touched the magnetizing doctor, and he in turn magnetized the afflicted who began to dance. The doctor and the procurator, busily taking down the prophetic words of the magnetized, were carried out the secret orders. But sorry, were carrying out the secret orders of an unknown superior, quote unquote. This latter term mm-hmm. refers to the degree of strict observance masonry followed right. by the Bavarian Illuminati. The newspaper denounced the collusion seeping in from France between mesmerism and esoteric Masonic secret societies. So at the time, they saw them as being uh, associated. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. that's interesting about Moses Mendelssohn, too, because, I mean, he kind of was the head of the Haskalah, which was like the Jewish Enlightenment, you know, which was similar. It was like a Jewish version of, you know, the German Enlightenment, which these Illuminists were were big. And I know he was also friends with Lessing, who wrote uh, one of what I think is the most important Masonic, like what really gives you the the game about that in my opinion so god hold Ephraim Lessing are you talking about 
Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He wrote a book called The Dialogues of Ernst and Falk, which was uh-huh. a conversation between, uh, you know, uh, Jacob Heim Falk, which was, he was one of the unknown superiors of the uh, the Golden Dot in the very, if you read the early cipher manuscripts, he he was uh, the head, he was Cagliostro's, uh, the guy behind him, basically, he was the, the leader of the Cagliostro's Egyptian masonry hmm. before he handed it to Cagliostro. So he was a super, super big occultist. That and, makes um, sense. Yeah, he also wrote Nathan the Wise. He was the very first yeah, dramaturg, yeah, right? And yeah, he wrote the Hamburg Dramaturgy uh, or the wow, Hamburg Dramaturgy. First. Well, you know, that's uh, the ideology of dramaturgy that you often hear. And definitely gotcha. like his work, the Hamburg Dramaturgy was like a very major step in like the theory of the theater and drama and theatricality. Uh, which also fits with a lot yeah. of things that you've been saying in terms of like the power of suggestion and things like that. But yeah, and Nathan right. the Wise is all about the unity that like underlies like religious differences, right? As I recall. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Which is that's what they were about. And you know, even uh, you know, you had like the Order of the Asiatic Brethren, which was the first order to involve both Jews and Christians, and they would, you know, that this was during the time of Jacob Frank too, and all this kind of stuff. And um, so Falk was part of that. The, he was actually the founder of the Asiatic Brethren. And not to jump around too much, but Lessing wrote that text. And this is all I'll say about it because it's. I want to do a whole thing. Like I'm actually working on a blog about that text. But mm-hmm. he basically said um, he was speaking in like riddles, right? And he basically they ask him, well, what is masonry? Is it true that it is about the stone builders? And he said that know that he's, he actually uses Kabbalistic language. He said that, speaking of shells, he says that was a shell. Masonry is a shell of the true mm-hmm. Illuminati, basically. He said it's a husk. It's an outer appearance. And he says they pick it up like a hermit crab and they put it on and then they put, you know they go somewhere else. But this real, invisible, the unknown superiors is not masonry, although it operated through masonry. And he actually said that the word masonry doesn't come from the traditional belief of where it comes from. It comes from an old Celtic, like English word, right? And um, which was Masoni, which meant table, like round. And this is where the whole round table can't thing comes mm-hmm. from. And he says that the real meaning of Masonry or the Illuminati is it's the round table. It's the round table of the top dogs, right? Like that's where that's oh what it really is. And that, that was the key part of that. So Lessing wrote that text. I don't know his particular involvement. With that, I do know Moses Mendelssohn is a direct descendant of one of the big Sabadian prophets, and they were all about combining, you know, Islam and Judaism and Christianity right. in these kind of ways. So that's, yeah, this time period is so flooded with crazy stuff. So it's super fascinating time period where all this shit was going on. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in, like, your work on Lessing, because I think, yeah, he's definitely a very interesting yeah. figure. And I think that that, like, his interests and, like, his involvement in, like, the I mean, this really was a very important time for, like, the development of, like, theater and opera, which, like, again, mm-hmm. might seem to be a Don't niche subject, it. but that underscores, like, of course, so much in our society, right? And uh, Lessing was really the forefront of that. And you can see that, how that factors into what what you've been describing in the past with mesmerism, right? Like mesmerism, yeah. like the way that they're using these, like, you know, it's not just that there's a sexual dynamic between the man and the woman that underscores the power, you know, uh, facilitates the power of, of the mesmerism or the, the magnetism that allows it to, to function, but also like using certain attractive women, like over and over again to display your mesmerism has a, a power of suggestion mm, over society, yeah, right? In the same point. way that like yeah. beautiful women are used as actresses, like generally, yeah. right? Um, 
And you know, this is, of course, a time period where like women on stage is right. like, you know, and they would do it on stage, too. Yeah, yeah. They'd put it on these shows. Right. Yeah. It's it would seem with the whole thing of them being like, well, you know, you could just hand him this like, you know, Illuminati invitation or you could have him like find it underneath his bowl, like at an inn, like in a distant town. You know, yeah. it's yeah. no, exactly right. yep. the same type of like almost like an ARG, yeah. right? Yeah, it is an ARG. They kind of they were doing kind of ARG shit back in the day, you know, what does that mean? Uh, like an yeah. like an al- uh, alternate reality game, right? Oh, yeah. interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like I mean, QAnon has almost been described as like an ARG in terms of like its function. Um, mm-hmm. But like Cicada three three nine zero, whatever it was called, um, and, and something we had talked about the uh, Ong's Hat Ashram kind of thing again in the last episode we did. But you know, it's usually something that's talked about like in relation to the internet and. Like, oh, this is something that happens online. But you could think about, like, game making or, you know, making something in, like, the 1700s kind of like, ooh, a little quest and stuff with the sort of technology they had available to them. They totally could do it. I noticed that in other sources later in, like, the 1800s that their entire occult orders that were sort of run, like, through the mail – so you'd have like a like you would just like write you'd see an ad in a magazine and write into them and then they would like write back like you yeah. have to do this work and then like eventually like send us money and then we'll send you yeah. readings and you'll get conferred and like maybe you would never meet these it would be like all around the world too and you'd never maybe meet these people in person but yeah that was happening yeah. in the 1800s so it's interesting to see it like start you know in this like illuminati yeah. period where and also yeah, the the dramaturgy of like public display. I mean, it's also God. You could even go back to like the biblical displays of like Jesus performing miracles. Like, this oh has yeah, been going no, on for they, thousands of years, and basically. they draw those parallels for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they believe they're probably part of the same phenomenon, right? That it would be Jesus because yeah. oh. it was all about the the passes of these hands. You know, the magnetizer would use these passes of the hands, and they would say, "This is what Jesus was doing. This is what you know these miracles were." Mesmer originally he would actually hold magnets in his hand and have people sit in tubs and stuff, and they kind of weeded that stuff out. And his disciples later realized that that wasn't. It really was about the will of the magnetizer and the submissiveness of the patient, and um. You know, one of they even started, you know, kind of going into a more Christian angle on it. They would say you do have to like, like love and will not sound like Crowley, but like fucking love. Like (laughs) you have to love, um, you know, the pig. Like that was that was the key. That's how you get the juices flowing. You know, is you know, and if you open up your heart and you know stuff like that. Must be on that angel dust. Don't know what to make of this. Delete them boys, deactivate my accuracy. 
seek and actuate a happenstance and fabricate a past advance. Feature Michael Jackson hand to eat the darkness, eat the heartless pack of tan, block as hot as Pakistan. Got the drop and dribble like his basket and one crossover mate. Jesus angles crack again. Tackle box battling and many fish who wish upon a caretaker. Baby, I'm an air breaker, fair wanker, dare danger, dead angel, head maker, room consumer, tumor, and always around like lunar, satellite like movement, pseudo, bad is like rumors, white lies, white lie, it's not real, you not real, you made up, that's fake stuff, fake tough, play rough, cake fluff, play stuff, honey bun, tampon, makeup, whoa, I don't meddle with losers, I don't peddle confusion, get beheaded Medusa, my true favorite Got a love for money, but more of a taste for a golden soul. I'm not an angel, but I'm willing to play the role. The wings of a red bull swing when I slide up. We was park side day and night. Always been the mellow type. Obstacles always made me right. Keep the fear of getting left. Never trust a single shoot. Never follow footsteps. Take that with a salt brain. Brought up with the Looney Tunes. Wishing I had Elmer Fudd sawed off shotgun. My time could end today. I gotta stay protected. And if we make it past selection, we might see a great depression with not one trend. With a weapon, just a hard headed brain erected. Type to write out life and still remain a dyslexic. Word to the anorexic, I need a meal. So hungry me will do more than hurt to eat. Just a sandwich or something, and that's without me bluffing. Due to the assumption, you think your tears full of me, your tears couldn't full of honey. So you said you had one more reading from Yeah, from the Illuminati. Uh, the Illuminati source documents. Um, so, you know, like I said, there's not much information about his particular involvement. But so what I did is I looked at what was required of all the members and how they would utilize the specific the members, you know, what they would bring to the table. And it was very personalized. You know, if someone was a scientist, they would they would want to, them to use that for, for the order, you know as much as possible. So here's an exact quote, you know, of one of the part of the manifesto where they're talking about, you know, what's required of the, of the members. So for this reason too, no one is permitted to make his inventions known outside of the order so that he does not deprive the order of the secret that he has discovered only thanks to its instruction. It is only fair that he leave to the order alone what he would have never found without it. And a book written about this topic can never be printed without the superior's permission. Therefore, all books to be printed must have the provincial superior's approval. And after he has made inquiries with his superiors, he must determine, then it goes down a list, is the nature of the book such that it may only be printed by the secret printers and nowhere else. Later on, it says, and how much greater is the power that one can exert over the common part of humanity if one can ensnare it with the allure of curiosity and direct its desire for the miraculous towards noble purposes. What would a society that was, for example, in sole possession of a knowledge of electricity not be able to accomplish? So basically, anyone who was in the Illuminati, if they made any discoveries or had any ideas, they would have to propose that to the superiors and the order and get approval and they would say whether or not it was maybe it would benefit the order to disseminate it publicly and maybe it would benefit them more to keep it secret so interesting we can fairly say that mesmer would have ran by all of his ideas with the illuminati before he went public and he did publish text he published his dissertation and his uh, 27 propositions so yeah he would not have been able to do that without the approval of the illuminati um 
And, you know, who knows, maybe there's parts that he had to redact because they're like, oh, we want to keep this for ourselves. You know, in theory, that is how it works, you know, but. Yeah. So you could say to some extent that Mesmer's findings and his claims were like to some extent the IP of the Illuminati. (laughs) I mean, they they almost like reserved this kind of legal right over the intellectual property of its members. Oh, right. Including Mesmer. And I looked back just to check kind of the dates of when he got started with this stuff. And he had kind of been building up to it through the 1760s. I think his dissertation was on the influence of the planets of the human body, which discussed the influence of the moon and planets on human body and on disease and stuff and was kind of working in that vein. But really it was around 1774 that he started like treating patients and came upon this like idea of animal magnetism. And I guess 1775 is when he started to go a little bit more public with it. Let's see, he left Vienna in 1777 and moved to Paris in 1778 and started like a medical practice. And that's when he started basically uh, hanging out with all these like rich and powerful people in France and tried to get like official approval from various academies of sciences, you know, to prove his doctrines. And like that eventually led to like the Franklin commission as we talked about, but it does line up with like the start, like once he was really going, he was in the Illuminati, right? Or at least we can reasonably assume so. Well, it's not, we don't know when he joined, right? yeah, he would have. Well, even if he joined in the very beginning, which he very may well have since he did go to Ingolstadt University with Weishaupt, with, you know, they started recruiting people through that university. And, you know, there's a whole they basically wanted to control education the way that the Jesuits did at the time to disseminate their ideas. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. Actually, he would have already. That was before the Illuminati was founded. So, you know, maybe I'm sure they would have seen him as an asset because he already had that reputation and stuff. But. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe they gave him sanction to kind of go out and like proselytize this and like try to get real approval. But it also does yeah. make me think like when you were reading that passage that deception is also an aspect of this whole thing where you might right. give an exoteric kind of a revelation to like the masses publicly that's approved by the Illuminati. But actually there are certain facets that they keep to themselves and that right. feels like it might be relevant if you consider that, I mean, even like the mainstream sort of scholars and everybody that have looked at mesmerism and animal magnetism, I think even Franklin kind of concede that maybe not Franklin, but but people have conceded in subsequent you know centuries that he sort of seemed to stump like through mesmer through animal magnetism he stumbled upon the real phenomenon of hypnosis and then other people. Mm took that and ran with it after Mesmer and eventually there is like a certain accepted sort of like medical practice of like hypnotherapy and things like that nowadays and people do acknowledge that like yes you can be hypnotized so I wonder because that was not exactly front-loaded you know there's a different explanation right it was about the subtle uh, invisible fire that you know binds everybody and it had to do with magnets and things instead of oh we figured out a way to like mind control people (laughs) And like, we're going to keep that part private. I don't know if like, that's how they, you know, encountered, you know, Mesmer's work back then, or if that occurred to them, or if it only occurred to the, to people later on, but it had to occur to somebody at some, it definitely occurred to people at some point that this could be used for like purposes of uh, mind control. Right. 
I don't think they saw the difference, right? They probably didn't see, yeah, like, I, right, it's just a different, like, the theory of how it is possible changed. That's the only difference, right? Mm. I, would, I would say, I don't know. The purpose of a system is what it does. So if it mind controls people, like it's kind of, it is a black box. Like we don't exactly know how, but it does seem to have this effect on people. So this is a very valuable um, piece of IP that we've got here, you know, yeah. that our boy Mesmer has provided us. So it does make you wonder about like the later development of like hypnosis and end of secret societies. Yeah. yeah. Like, kind of hold things back. And was right. and and did that diffuse itself into these occult groups like later in the you know 19th century right yeah i was just going to say um also in these illuminati documents i didn't find any specific mention of animal magnetism but i did find mentions of magnetism which it, that's what they called it at the time you know it probably mm, yeah. wasn't called mesmerism yet so it says like um it's talking about you know, the different categories of knowledge that they're basically hoarding. It goes, you know, optics, dioptrics, catoptrics, hydraulics, blah, 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 electricity, central forces, magnetism, attraction, repulsion, you know, experimental physics, and it goes on forever, you know, astronomy, everything, you know. So basically, uh, yeah, they were, they wanted to, I mean, they were really big on education, you know, and uh, knowledge and intelligence, you know, intelligentsia. So they did, um, have a specific category of magnetism in their basically library of ideas. So I'm mm -hmm. sure Mesmer was part of that. They were aware of that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so during this period when the Illuminati is active and Mesmer is really like hitting his peak, he's doing these sort of, uh, you know, these like treatment sessions, right? Should we just describe briefly like what what is he actually doing in these, you know, sessions? I think he would call them... Didn't he call it the baquet? He actually called them seances. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mes mesmeric seances, yeah. Okay. That's what they called them. <laughs> okay, the so I actually... were just like sessions, basically, in France at that time, right? Like the connotation of seances. Like now, if you, think, if you say seance, you always think, you know, it's going to be a medium who's like going to conjure a ghost right. from the afterlife, right? Yeah. But yeah. then it was like kind of like a way of saying like salons, like almost yeah. in, in France at the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a book uh, by Hariri called Assemblies or Mechanet, like uh, when it's often translated as, as seances in these old, old translations, older ones, uh, which is weird because like it didn't quite have that connotation at the time of like, we're going to summon a ghost. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and, and I don't think that was their intention, but apparently these experiments would lead to that type of phenomenon. And that's when the kind of more spiritualistic stuff started developing out of it. Um, like I said, Mesmer didn't, I read all his writings. He doesn't mention spirits or anything. He does mention like planetary bodies and, oh, but here's another thing. Without going too into detail about what jinn are, I know that in his, you know, there's a debate of, is it just disembodied? Is it just people that are dead? You know, the spirits of the dead that, you know, mm -hmm. didn't ascend or whatever, or are these regardless of what the jinn in the Quran is, is referring to, but, um, right. Well, in, in, uh, in Islam, like, you know, they're not the spirits of the dead, but in, you know, oh, really? no, 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 definitely not. Uh, that's definitely, uh, uh See, widely. One of the commentaries I read on the Quran, it, it said that that was like part of the debate. I, I could be fucking. Whose commentary? Um, I can go grab it. I actually got it from, uh, someone who's 
father was like a big Turkish scholar. Um, Interesting. But I, I can't find that exact quote. If you want, I can go grab it though. It is. Uh, well, for yeah, well, I'd, I'd be I don't want to get too the, much off track. Right, right, right. I'm interested in the future, not now. But uh, yeah, yeah, okay, like right, uh, right. I mean, there is an idea yeah, of like the grave uh, that is like a bit more mainstream that people do exist, like in a liminal yeah. area, like the Barzakh. But anyway, like uh, certainly in yeah. the Quran, that's not. The indication, I mean, like, uh, Shaitan, yeah, at least, he was never a human. He was a jinn, right? Yeah, yeah he's no, that's described a good point. as a jinn. Yeah, but... I think it was more of a folklore, like, debate within, like... Oh, yeah, that, what, you know, can ghosts, do ghosts were introduced exist? to Islam, like, yeah, it was, like, these are conversations that already were right. going on, you know, mm-hmm. before Islam. I can see. So, yeah. I think, yeah, like, I, I definitely wasn't saying that the Quran said that. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, okay. Well, just right. that uh, scholars, like, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they kind of were trying to figure out, are these, like distinct entities that are a different basically spiritual species that just don't have bodies they're made out of smokeless fire or are they you know some people yeah that died but i can definitely see that in like an environment where islam is being introduced to a group or a population that has different beliefs like about the dead and like that they you know then yeah i could see how people who would would be trying to wrestle with like the sort of yeah because like you know, what I said is like a very orthodox like take, you know, but if you're yeah. in kind of that in-between space where like your culture is just kind of uh, encountering Islam and like becoming Muslim, then like that's when you get kind of, yeah, some of those. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. No, I definitely interested to see that. But anyway, yeah. So what yeah. were you saying? And, and um, a lot of the pagan, yeah. a lot of the pagan religions, whether it's, you know, I mean, even in Egypt, they say, you know, Osiris and Isis, these were real people. These were kings and queens that, mm-hmm. you know, their and it's their you know legacy they're they're basically doing these rituals to uh they once walked on earth but they've they've continued to like you know gain power in the spiritual world and through sacrifice and through devotion they empower these spirits i mean that's basically that's what santeria and all voodoo i mean it's all these gods these orishas and stuff are ancient african kings you know and you still have people all over latin america that are lighting candles and, and performing sacrifices to, you know, these, these Orisha, which are said to be, you know, the once real people, but they still hold this power in the spiritual world. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a concept that you see through a lot of, out a lot of cultures. Now the mesmeric description of what that is would be that. So like we talked about this subtle fluid, right? This, this invisible fire, this, this kind of force that's even more subtle and even more, refined than ether right Mm -hmm. and we all have a magnetic field right that we are emanating so basically that when people die these very subtle fields would still have some existence i I think you know eliphas levi i i I remember him specifically saying like that that's what you know these spiritualistic seances were basically you know it's like if you think about like you throw a rock in the ocean and these ripples you know, you might stop seeing the ripples after a few seconds, but in theory, like the actual ripples are, they keep going, right? These waves of, so basically just that applied to this subtle, you know, this mesmeric fluid that they talked about, you know, but, but once again, that's, that's like a hundred years after Mesmer's time. But I think that sort of tradition developed by, they were doing these mesmeric seances and people would start saying stuff that, you know, seemed like it was another person uh, that was speaking through them, right? You know, kind of like in voodoo possession or something. It was mm-hmm. some, and they would even have convulsions. It actually, in a lot of ways, is very similar to other kind of seances where these women would have convulsions and start, you know, moaning and, and, and speaking in tongues and stuff. Yeah. 
they'd be in bathtubs holding magnets and shit, just like <laughs> speaking in tongues. And yeah, you know, yeah. that's why people were kind of like not, you know, ready to embrace that, I guess. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he started off using various like magnet contraptions and stuff like that, like having yeah. people sit in bathtubs. He had one woman swallow like an iron solution and then like wave right. magnets all over her body. Uh, and things like that. But I think around like 74, 75, he stops using the magnets and is just yeah. using like hand waving techniques, like sitting yeah. with his knees, I think, touching the uh, patient and then like waving his hands around, uh, yeah. I guess, channeling his own animal magnetism, which he believed was right. powerful. And there were like mixed successes. Like there was a piano prodigy right. that he... Parties uh, or parodies. Yeah, Parodies, who was actually like a friend of Mozart and right. actually Mesmer was a friend of Mozart as mm -hmm. well. And actually like Mesmer, this is funny considering a couple episodes ago, or actually no, I forget. Actually, oh, never mind. I thought it was one of Mozart's operas that Mesmer was like made fun of in, but they're, oh wait, no, 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 is it's uh, Cosi Fan Tutte. Yeah, Cosi Fan Tutte is an opera by uh, Wolfgang Mozart that has like a comedic reference to Mesmer in it. And I just thought that was funny yeah. because I, I'm pretty sure that's what like Genesis Peorge's ex-girlfriend slash bandmate, uh, Cosi Fanny Tootie is like named after. Really? Must, <laughs> it must be. It must be, right? Yeah, right. Um, well, yeah, I don't know what... makes sense. Weird culty music shit. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. And I guess that translates to All Women Do It or The School for Lovers. Kind of a right. saucy title for 1790, right? right. Um, but they had a certain relationship, uh, Mesmer and Mozart. But then he got into trouble, yeah, when uh, he tried to cure the blindness of Maria Theresia Paradis, and mm -hmm. that led him to leave Vienna in 1777. And I guess that was some kind of scandal where he cured her of her blindness for a while, but then like it came back, and then... People got mad at him and like maybe he cured it again. But then once he left yeah. Vienna, she was totally blind again. So kind right. of. And like, like her dad like stormed in the room and shut it down. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there was, there was some scandalous. Not, people were kind of like sussed out by yeah. uh, this treatment. But yeah, then he goes to Paris is like basically treating the wealthy and the powerful, meeting all kinds of people. And uh, 1779 is when he wrote the book that has like the 27 propositions uh, okay. of his theory. So that would have had to be approved by the Illuminati if it was 1779. Yeah. Right? And that's his most well-known kind of right. Like, you know, yeah. basically putting it down in writing. Right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Some people also, I don't know if you've looked into this, but like there's a note here, I guess a few authors have pointed out that there's like certain similarities to the concept of chi in traditional oh, Chinese sure. medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, light, invisible life force, et cetera, et cetera. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. But then... And the idea of blockages within that, they were basically mm -hmm. clearing the blockages to heal people the same way. I mean, even acupuncture, I think, is kind yeah. of based on that mechanics of like you have these these nadis or these energy channels within right. your body. And, you know, if they're basically all sickness is because there's some probably through your own actions or sinning or whatever, you know, you've, you fucked up, you've you got your flow jammed up or whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, they would try to clear these passages for the ma animal magnetism to flow freely. I mean, that, and yeah, that was basically the, the idea mm -hmm. of it. That's like Reiki healing as well, right? Yeah. 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 yeah all that kind of stuff. I mean, like uh, acupuncture is like, 
partially covered under certain like health insurance plans nowadays. That's crazy. Right. Despite not really still being able to like scientifically verify like how it works. It's like another black box treatment, yeah. so to speak. Um, I can believe acupuncture so, or acupressure probably does work in a lot of cases. So I guess going into like the 1780s, he got into like treating people in groups because he was so popular. That's where he developed the uh, collective treatment known as the baquet. And I'll just read a little from what an English doctor who observed one of these uh, described it as. He said, In the middle of the room is placed a vessel of about a foot and a half high, which is called here a baquet. It is so large that 20 people can easily sit around it. Near the edge of the lid, which covers it, there are holes pierced corresponding to the number of persons who are to surround it. Into these holes are introduced iron rods bent at right angles outwards and of different heights so as to answer to the part of the body to which they are to be applied. Besides these rods, there is a rope which communicates between the baquet and one of the patients and from him is carried to another and so on the whole round. The most sensible effects are produced on the approach of Mesmer, who is said to convey the fluid by certain motions of his hands or eyes without touching the person. I have talked with several who have witnessed these effects and who, who have convulsions occasioned and removed by a movement of the hand. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what, that's what he was doing. And then in 1784, without Mesmer requesting it, King Louis XVI appointed the Franklin Commission with Guillotine, Lavoisier, yeah. and Bailly. They basically, I mean, they did come to the conclusion that like all this magnet stuff doesn't work. But Mesmer's personality and the yeah, belief that his patients have in him makes the patients effectively like cure their own ailments. And that should be that is like worthy of investigation, basically, which is like kind of maybe I don't know, maybe the first like, quote unquote, modern, like scientific sort of acknowledgement of like hypnotherapy as such. Yeah. And, and that's what I was saying earlier about like the uh, the debunkers were like the mesmerists would hear the criticism and they would be like, well, yeah, we are saying it is vibes, you know, it is, it is vibes, it's vibes all the way down, you know? And, and now we know that that's like, that is a phenomenon that occurs even in the flashy kind of stage hypnotist way. Right. And to get a little deep, like into it, like the fucking, um, the idea of, so you have, you know, like I said, people will say magnetic, you have, this person was magnetic. This gets into the occult kind of, what these initiatory societies would require of people. And, um, you know, especially like Cagliostro's Egyptian order, which was, he was definitely a mesmer. I mean, he, in the movie about Cagliostro, he has this, I put this in my blog, like they have a meeting. I don't know if that historically happened, but, you know, he, he was using mesmerism and that was part of how he, you know, in his whole story of, you know, making a scene, how he made shit happen. And uh, basically he, like, all secret societies do this to some extent, but you know, they would require strict morality and strict like sexual um, control. Basically it's all about, you know, conquering these animal instincts and kind of, uh, you know, sexual transmutation and um, you know, this kind of alchemy type stuff. And, you know, it's interesting because even like the dark side secret societies, they still require that of their members even. And it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a moral religious concept it's literally an about energetic economy it's about you know you yeah. are creating you know your heart's beating your you know and this uh you know the sexual energy being the i mean we know how babies are made like it does it is a creative power right i mean on any no matter how you slice it yeah it's um 
has you know it's powerful force and they would they would require like strict abstinence and um sex drugs and rock and roll like basically being super like like a monk you know literally i mean yeah and they would require this kind of discipline while they were doing all these other occult practices and it's like charging your battery i mean the sexual energy being the root you know if you want to talk about like the eastern system of chakras and stuff it's like you know the root is where you know all the higher faculties and the, the mind and all you know it all comes it all pulls up from that so if you're just like going crazy with you know wasting your sexual energy or whatever you would be less magnetic you know you're not charged you're not holding that electrical charge so yeah this and that you know when we get into randolph and stuff it's like this, this is kind of where it ties into sex magic and at least do we want to take it there right now, or are we still? Uh, I think we could take it there. Jumping forward, focus a little more on the You know, still, well, yeah, because I, I think now, you know, Mesmer dies in like eighteen fifteen. He still had followers, but I think like the commissions kind of put a dent in his prestige. But still, right. a lot of people were like turned on by this idea. Maybe none more so than a guy that you wrote about in the blog that I had never heard of, who was like a really fascinating, strange character. I'm talking about Pascal Beverly Randolph, mm-hmm. yeah. who comes about in like the mid-1800s in America. Person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy, like, I don't know. It, it's it's wild that like he's not come up in any of our episodes before yeah. and I had like never heard anybody talk about him. We only hear about the gatekeepers like Crowley and uh, Blavatsky and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. you could make, but a lot of people make a good argument that you might not have had a Blavatsky or a Crowley if it wasn't for Pascal Beverly Randolph. Absolutely not, yeah. Yeah, so he was born in 1825. He is an African-American, I guess technically a, a you know, free black man and technically like a quote-unquote mulatto. He was yeah. actually... Th- From a th- royal family in Africa, actually, his mom. Really? Mm. Yeah, his mom was like a princess of some, you know, African dynasty. So he wasn't like a necessarily a freed person who was enslaved. He was like, uh, you know, at, to use that term, mulatto. You know, I, his dad was some American and his mom was like a royal African, you know, princess or something. That is fascinating because also on his dad's side, he is a direct descendant of William Randolph, like one of the early merchant governors, I think. I think he was the governor of the Virginia colony or he was like one of the first citizens of like Virginia. And I think goes without saying like a huge slave owner, obviously. Right. And actually is related to Thomas Jefferson, John Marshall, Robert E. Lee, yeah, a lot of different people. And also Pascal Beverly Randolph's uh, father was a nephew of John Randolph of Roanoke, who I guess was, yes, an American planter and politician uh, from Virginia, serving in the House of Representatives in the Senate, like after the revolution, was also minister to Russia. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So under uh, Andrew Jackson and was Thomas Jefferson's spokesman in the House until 1805 when he broke with them as a result of what he saw as the dilution of traditional Jeffersonian principles as well as perceived mistreatment during the impeachment of Samuel Chase in which Randolph served as chief prosecutor. Okay, so he comes from like an interesting hybrid kind of background like on both sides of his family. You know, he grew up in America and eventually, I guess he traveled a lot in his youth and young adulthood to various different countries, to England, to Europe, he yeah. went to Persia, and he developed an interest in the occult and, you know, folk magic and all these other things. Um, and also spent some time in Paris as well. 
One individual that was mentioned, there's an OTOUSA.org profile article about Randolph, and it mentions that I think when he was hanging out, yes, when he was hanging out in the 1840s during his European tour, he came into contact with the great occult notables of that period, including Kenneth R.H. Mackenzie, Edward Bulwer-Lytton, Eliphas Levi, and two men who proved to be lifelong friends of influence, the English Rosicrucian writer and professed adept Hargrave Jennings, and, now this is another person I'm shocked I never heard of, the American general and mystic Ethan Allen Hitchcock, who he met in Paris. Hitchcock facilitated contact with Napoleon III, the mystically inclined French emperor whose life seemed so connected with Randolph's. General Hitchcock later introduced Randolph to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah General he Ethan was, Allen Hitchcock, grandson of Revolutionary War hero Ethan Allen, and quite possibly related to um, another prominent uh, mystical dude, uh, Billy Mellon Hitchcock. I wasn't able to verify that. I had to look up. I was doing a little genealogy before the show, but that would be wild right. if this runs in the American Hitchcock family more broadly, like this obsession with mystical right. um, occult type things but very well connected i mean so yeah randolph was getting introduced to some very powerful people and some very heavy hitters in the occult scene and i guess was a guest at the the parisian rosicrucian lodge meetings uh during that period and so i guess got influenced by some of this like rosicrucian type stuff eventually randolph comes back to america and starts like founding little kind of occult uh spiritualist type uh, churches. I think the yeah, first one was. One in, is there is in, there one in, in Pennsylvania? San, oh, in Pennsylvania, he might have founded a, a, a Rosicrucian lodge in uh, San Francisco at one point, and then uh, a temple of Rosicrucia uh, in Boston in 1858. Eventually, he founds uh, what is it? The well, there's like two things. I don't know if they're exactly the same, but there's the Brotherhood of Eulis, and then there is the Brotherhood. Uh, the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor, but it's like, right. it, but it's a little bit, it's like murky uh, to what extent the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor is like totally cribbed, or was actually founded by him, like in secret, or if they like yeah. secretly stole some of his ideas. Right? Can you, well, can and you the disambiguate brothers, that? For the us? Brothers of Light. Um, I, you guys were posting about this when, when you were talking to that AI. <laughs> yeah, when it that AI said, didn't like, it, weren't the they saying something? Yeah, I and think that's literally the Hermetic Brotherhood of Light is what they yeah. said. Yes. They're yes. the Brotherhood of Light. And there's all these other references to the Brotherhood of Light in um, occult documents from around that time. And scholars have pretty much determined that that is the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor. But, you know, some of it's obscure. They just say the Brothers of Light, you know. Yeah, but, it would uh, be confusing because of Lux meaning light, even though Luxor exactly. isn't a reference yeah. to that, right? It's reference. So I yeah, it probably was the same thing. I mean it I, I saw that totally some there there is some academic stuff written and also one of our uh, our returning sources from the Goblins episode last year, uh, <laughs> Alan Greenfield uh, yes. wrote a whole book about the Hermetic Brotherhood of I Light. I was noticing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh he, dude. Oh he's my God. very into it. And he's the UFO guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the secret okay, cipher of the Euphonauts from Hellier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay, this is hilarious. I gotta go grab that. So I live by a bookstore called Magus. I live by the university, right? And um, they just got a crazy flood of occult books. I bought, I spent like $200 and got a bunch of Randolph shit. And they had that, what was his name? Alan Greenfield book? Yeah. yeah. 
And um, they had it, but it looked kind of sketchy. I was like, I'm going to look up the author first this, before I buy it. But I wanted to because it was about the Brothers of Light and Randolph. And uh, then I saw it was like this UFO guy. And like, I didn't. But uh, funny side note, this big like tech lady who like traveled around the world collecting occult books, who was like a super big, uh, you know, considered one of the top occult library people in the world i think she was in the oto and like she had all this kenneth grant bullshit and shit but like she also had some like some serious books you know and like she died recently and somehow the bookstore right by my house ended up with all of her stuff they won't let me look in the back but i've (laughs) been checking it's right i walk by it all the time so i just check and yeah i got randolph's biography i got this super rare out of print book called uh what's it called something about love uh anyway yeah and i so i have like a few after now that i'm you know wrapped up the mesmer trilogy i'm going straight deep dive on on randolph you know um he has some super yeah interesting shit he talks about he has a book about the pre-adamite man whatever that oh yeah yeah so no and i just from reading little excerpts of his idea that uh yeah yeah, but he was very dismissive of theosophy later on right uh well no they were beefing they They were beefing yeah she uh she was calling him the n-word like she was talking about oh wow i missed that part yeah i've been it's yeah it's in the hermetic brotherhood of light book which i have i haven't read it yet but um Mm. they you know I mean, one can imagine how... Wow, Blavatsky canceled. Um, She's racist. I guess we had some (laughs) inkling of that from uh, her incredibly racist theology and worldview, but... Yeah, maybe the obsession uh, with the Aryans. Yeah, (laughs) but... Uh, uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this guy, I mean, (laughs) this guy would go on, even though they did beef and she was uh, a racist to him. This guy's influence, I'm pretty convinced by the argument that this guy was, like, very influential but downplayed like you know kind of got yeah, lost sure. in the mix like, and like whitewashed literally totally whitewashed exactly uh but yeah. if you read like some of his passages it's like oh yeah th- this is like where crowley got his vibe from yeah. like basically exactly. especially anything about sex basically um yeah he and was sex magic sex, that sex that's magic. i guess what, what the big change from like say like the illuminati or like you know mesmer yeah. in the decades prior where they almost have this like volcell like no fap ideology yeah. of like conserving your energy pascal beverly randolph takes it in a different direction and he's like one of the first people to really proselytize sex magic as a part of like an occult practice yeah right yeah absolutely but here's the thing like when when we say crowley got his ideas from him a lot of people are going to start associating the truth is um he was on some vol cell type stuff and he actually it was all about like you have to get married and i mean he didn't he was out there for sure and a lot of people say that's why people hated him because he was out here teaching sex magic to all these rich white women Mm -hmm. um you know and blavatsky even some people think she put a hit on him because in one of her rants she said something about he should be dead or whatever but um he he apparently committed suicide um some people think it was a hit some people think well people Mm -hmm. who dabble in the occult might be bound to do that which you know um, there's a little yeah there's a little contention over that that uh yeah. maybe the newspaper lied a little bit and they said like by his own hand and then everyone just yeah, took that as gospel gotten. exactly so it, it makes sense either way i will actually you know what because his writings specifically say that suicide is like the greatest waste of life and like ultimate sin and like he was he specifically wrote against suicide like interesting notably so Maybe he just went crazy playing with 
gins or something, or maybe he got taken out because he was uh, a black man who was basically like the leader of the Illuminati in America. <laughs> well, I think 1800s. also I, I wow, forget which source. Coup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I forget which source I read this in, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he, cause I believe I, yeah, I remember reading, maybe it was Greenfield talking about it, but that after he went to on his big European tour and like he traveled to Asia and you know, all these other places, and he came back, like America was sort of having its first spiritualist craze. And he was very critical of spiritualists right. for like contacting these entities, which he thought he kind of has almost like a, and he did spend time in like the Muslim world. So maybe this, you know, helps explain it. But, you know, he, he felt like you don't know who you're dealing with. Like if you invite these demons in and like right. some of them or, you know, these spirits and some of them might be bad. And this is like very reckless and stupid. So he was kind yeah. of against like he cut against the grain in some regards with like a lot of the currents of that time that were like obsessed with, you know, contacting yeah. people from the beyond or, you know, ghosts or whatever you thought. Like he was yeah. sussed out. He thought it was sketchy. But well, he even. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just kidding. He even said that mesmerism was dangerous. And he said that he prefers his black mirror method over mesmerism because it's less dangerous to getting like weird spirits. I mean, I would think the black mirror would be, uh, I don't know, like equally sus, but like, uh, you know, yeah, what he is was the definitely black mirror method or no, excuse me. Uh, the magic mirror method. Oh, right? magic mirror. But yeah, it yeah. is basically a black mirror where, you know, you get in these and also Randolph was big on, well, I want to say he's big on drugs, but he, they would use drugs in these rituals to enter these somnambulist states and these trans states. And they'd stare into this, you know, this black, you're looking at this shiny black surface and there's incense smoke and you're on this opium psychedelic cocktail. And, you know, apparently you could contact certain, certain spirits through that. And he was doing that kind of shit. And he wrote a lot about, um, the souls of, you know, the afterlife and, and all this, but, um, yeah, he definitely wasn't, he thought the spiritualists were just like going Ouija board crazy playing with fire. He was very, he was like very, serious about how dangerous it was. And like, that's the point of kind of purifying yourself and uh, being a righteous person, which is why I want to make that distinction because Crowley is associated with all this like stuff that yes, sexual magic, it definitely is the same tradition, but basically how I was saying that this life force or this, you know, mesmeric fluid, this, you know, this prana or chi or whatever mm -hmm. that, you know, people generate that is, you know, sexual at its core and that emanates out and that's, you know, basically the mind is like the extension of that. And, you know, everyone has this, you know, their own magnetic field. So the dark side shit of like in the OTO, they do all this shit with blood and the sexual fluids and stuff. Right. And um, that would be because of the idea that those things contain magnetism. They contain the life force and by like you know, blood sacrifice or by, you know, making these cocktails of, if you read the secret OTO degrees, it's all sorts of bizarre shit that they're doing. And, um, you know, it's based on the same principle that the sexual force is the root of, you know, the life force or the, the prana, but Randolph, like, here, so if you want to divide it into like a white and black, at least the way that they look at it, vampirism, that would be consuming that you know, these guys that were not conserving their sexual energy and they were partying and stuff, you know, they would want to get that, be fed that from, you know, an external source, right? And then there was 
people in like the Rosicrucian, like these very strict uh, spiritual paths where they were wanting to channel up their own, you know, sexual energy. Like they would have never, you know, wanted to eat a cake of light or whatever, you know, but, um, oh God, yeah. but they, it, it is based on the same principle of the fact that this life force exists within, you know, the sexual center. So basically, I don't know if I'm being clear, but, but like the white versus black magic or, you know, the left hand versus the right hand path would be, you know, people like Randolph were talking about basically this is an internal thing and you have to transmute the sexual energy into a mental in order to create mentally the same way that, you know, sex creates physically, you create, you know, people through, you know, the physical expression of it. If you, you know, transmute the sexual energy, you can create thought forms, you can create, you can bend reality, you know, by channeling this force up your spine into your, you know, heart and your mind and stuff. But then you get into people like that are uh, getting that it's all the same life force. It's the same force that makes trees grow and everything, you know, but um, you get into like this kind of vampirism and like, yeah, well, you know, shit. He uh, I noticed that uh, in this like OTO article um, might be ironic uh, coming from them, but uh, they do note that, well, they're kind of emphasizing like how kind of wild this was for the victorian era and it was like bound to get him right. in trouble but it is interesting this uh passage from the privately circulated ansiretic mystery a new revelation concerning sex exclamation point yeah a lot of his titles have exclamation points like that very yeah. excited um so so randolph wrote the objective moment therefore I I assume he means like, you know, uh, orgasm, uh, is the most divine and tremendously important one in the human career as an independent entity. For not only may we launch genius, power, beauty, deformity, crime, idiocy, shame, or glory on the world's great sea of life, he capitalizes all those things, by the way, in the person (laughs) of the children we may then produce, but we may plunge our souls neck deep in hell's horrid slime, or else mount the azure as co-equal associate gods, For then the mystic soul swings wide its golden gates, opens its portals to the whole vast universe, and through them come trooping either angels of light or the grisly presence from the dark corners of the spaces. Therefore, human copulation is either assentive and ennobling or desensive and degrading. Interesting. So, I mean, on the one hand, he's making these big glorious promises about it's like the most sublime kind of holy divine thing ever but like if you don't if you're not careful if you're not vigilant or you misuse this great power you will find your soul neck deep in hell's horrid slime right yeah and it's all bad yeah and then people like crowley go like oh there's no uh hell is just as good as like exactly they're both the same like you got to get rid of the distinction between you know like yeah so that would be the main, you just hit the nail on the head. Like that would be the distinction, I think, where those things split apart. But that the emphasis on the moment of orgasm, that is 100% goes into Crowley. Even Wilhelm Reich, who was also very yeah. similar to Mesmer, you know, yeah, the, the science of the orgasm. Um, I posted on one of my blogs a, a chart from a book talking about that. orgone and orgone and eros, you know, the, the life force. You know, he came up with this orgone, which comes from the root of the word orgasm or organic, you know, and basically all this, yeah, this idea that that power is so serious and that, you know, people are misusing it and that by the proper knowledge of how to use it, you can basically change 
you know, fucking do magic. So, <laughs> yeah. East, Midwest, Northwest. Smoking on the best, no stress. Cooking all night, no rest. Fresher than Colgate, Crest. I can see the future and it's us. Looking up the future and it's us. Open your computer and it's us. Board the school or the bus. It's the Lord. Back in 2015, 5-2-8, my scene drop, miracle frequency, yeah, that's my baby girl, but what's the sun to a supernova, we don't beg for favors, I can't send my prayers to Jehovah, he only bless white folks, and plus my magic superman, I just cast a spell, say we fail, we just do it over, feeling cop modelli squares, we them fun guys, ain't no drama, can't feed my penny, yo, and be with alcoholics, marching through like marshes, ain't no frolicking through flowers, unless we breaking marijuana, we ain't too fond of you, Fonda, niggas just ain't worth the mana. I ain't never got my face down when I do I'm playing solemn I just want my crib on column Underground somewhere private Underwear you uninvited All the hustle silent Might be bummy looking But the money pilot Talking all that You don't feel a vibe Within your senses dying Ain't no sense in trying To tell the truth When all these niggas lying East, Midwest, Northwest Smoking on the best No stress Not a worry Cooking all night No rest Fresher than Colgate Crest I can see the future and it's us. And it's us. Looking up the future and it's us. And it's what? Open your computer and it's us. Open up. Board the scoreboard, the bus. Setting the tone, they're checking your tone. Look inside the mirror and my reflection is gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Encountered some demons, I swear I never known. Woke up, couldn't stand on my own. Two feet, so I sat in the throne. Nothing under can judge me. Get it jumping like bungee. Shit, don't double cross me. Don't triple cross my crew or posse. You know I'm going off. Y'all fucking lost me. I pull a Bruce Lee. Lose teeth if I lose loose leaf. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe is how they pick and choosing. I swing the fishbowl like an anchor. Off a mushroom smoothie. Northwest, how I do it. I've been way too booty. Uh, what they looking for is us. Tell me what you want is us. The scooter on the bus. I've been mixing powder with the crust. East, Midwest, Northwest. Smoking on the best, no stress. No stress. Cooking all night, no rest. No rest. Fresher than Colgate Crest. I can see the future and it's us. And it's Looking up the future yeah. and it's us. Which baby? Open your computer and it's us. Lord, Lord. Yeah. the scooter on the bus. Yeah.